The heat pump technology in cold climate is sure. that, like, ooh. Is it, you know, I mean, I've heard it walking around the show floor here, just hearing conversations and passing, and, you know, people are skeptical about it. Yep. You know, what? well, that, that, those don't work in cold climate. You know, and that's the, the common misconception. I want to welcome anybody listening in the audience. Thank you for joining us. I'm Eric Ani. This is Andy Mickelson. We've got Wade McCorkle from Samsung uh, to Samsung HVAC to talk today. Uh, we're going to talk about some heat pump topics. But first of all, I want to welcome everybody to the Make Trades Great Again podcast, uh, podcast where Andy and I talk about we run our plumbing and heating businesses. He's in Montana. I'm in Minnesota. Nice. And we kind of just talk about the ins and outs of the type of problems we deal with running our business and kind of getting people talking about different parts of the trade. Like recently we talked about apprentices and the, how they could maybe improve their um, their apprenticeship by yeah. like we give them five top things they got to do every single day. That's cool. We talk about so technology cool. once in a while and we, that's why we want to have you on Wade. Thank you. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, Wade, Samsung HVAC has got a ton of new stuff on display in your booth. I just recently installed the Hilux, the universal heat pump system at my place yep. as a dual fuel system. And that leads right in kind of the first uh, question. I was I was motivated to really dip my toes in the heat pump market as far as the unitary systems goes. I like that universal uh, outdoor unit that you guys have. Yep. Uh, but of course, one of the first things I thought was, well, I live in the Midwest. Gas is still really inexpensive where we are. We're in tons of natural gas distribution of natural gas in the Midwest is it's very con you know it's very prevalent. It's out there, and that being one of our lower cost. Uh, What's it? What's a fuel? Fuel right? source. Yeah. Fuel source, and so a lot of a lot of people are looking at heat pumps now, and they're immediately thinking, "Well, this is going to save money on operating costs because that's how they were kind of marketed at first, right? Yep. As just a cost savings. Now, as we see the electrification coming in to the industry, where are we? Are we moving in the right direction to save, you know, f fuel costs, or or how do we what? How do you address that with customers or contractors when we, we ask that question? Yeah, uh, and that's a it's a really hot topic right now. Um, so, oh, is that better? Yeah, okay, there, we there we go. Um, so I'd say I, I also have a Hilux in my house, and so I've, I've got a lot of, uh, it's been installed a little bit over a year, so I've got uh, full years of um, utility data. I've got a gas furnace, um, natural gas furnace, then the Hilux for heat pump heating. Um, so personally, I've, I've sort of tinkered with it and, um, I think probably the number one benefit of having the dual fuel is the flexibility, and you have the choice of choosing which fuel you want to use when. Because right. um, utility rates are changing, they, they fluctuate. I um, can't remember if it was earlier this winter or last winter, but huge spike in gas prices midwinter uh, for various reasons. And so it sort of um, gives the homeowner that power to choose which fuel source they want to use when. Um, you know, obviously being in Minneapolis, you're getting really cold. And so, um, also, depending on your rates, your KWH rates versus your therms or CCF rates, it can determine where you want to cross over from that heat pump heating to natural gas heating. Because, um, like you said, gas is still pretty cheap. It's still pretty cheap in Colorado. Right. And um, so I, I've looked at some different calculators for my house, and I have balance points of anywhere from like 30 to 50 degrees, which seems pretty high. Um, so I can choose to run it harder if I want, or I could follow that balance point and run the natural gas more on those lower temps. Okay. 
So, I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's one of the big things. I mean, that's this dual fuel um, element that, I guess, which one of the selling points that we're seeing as a contractor, it's easier for me to sell something that's a dual fuel versus something that's strictly heat pump only. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a price point that comes with it, but, you know, sure. for that customer that really wants the ultimate options, that's yeah. it. Well, I don't even know if it's necessarily options when it comes to certain climates. So, like, we brought up Minneapolis already. Montana, not any different. You guys have the potential to be as cold as we do at any given time or colder. Mm -hmm. But um, we know that we can't go full heat pump in most uh, residential conventional construction. We look at houses that are built 60s, 70s, 80s are going to perform a lot different than if we're looking at structures that are being built today. Yep. So if we're engineering a system, a heating and cooling system for a brand new construction home, it's going to look a lot different than what we're going to be retrofitting in our customers' homes that have, you know, maybe these homes are as old as I am or even older. Yep. So I think it gives them the option or it's a premium, but also really we have to look at options because in a lot of cases, the, the heat pump technology in the extremer colder climates isn't going to be, isn't there yet to take over the full entire load. Yeah, if we're talking like Minnesota, Montana, Colorado, where it's getting to the negatives, you definitely want to be careful of going only heat pump heating. You want to right. make sure you got a pretty good low calculation, good manual J. Um, and, and even in a retrofit situation, if you're going to move away from your natural gas source, so you have a furnace existing, for every reason you want to move away from that, I would definitely double check that because... Yep. So our Hilux, we have 100% nominal heating capacity down to positive five. So we got a lot of confidence down to there. D rates down to about 60 to 70% at negative 13, depending on the, the capacity size. Sure. So pretty decent heating. Um, but if you're looking at, if you're in a warmer climate or a moderate climate where you're only going to get down to the single digits, say positive five or higher, then I feel a little bit more, a little bit better about that. Yeah. Um, then another thing, when I looked at my utility numbers were um, in my summer months, so probably similar load profile like you guys, um, we had a lot of a lot of heating months and not a lot of cooling months. So a lot, a lot of heating hours, right? <laughs> right. And uh, I was actually pretty pretty surprised by that. Um, but when I look at the um, cooling months, my electric consumption did drop about twenty to forty percent. So if you're in more of a moderate or warm climate down south, um, you could reap a lot of benefits right. from that inverter compressor very modulating. Um, during all the cooling hours. Yeah, you got to really look at that. Um, and I've, I've found that as well with customers that have heat pumps that, that we've come into that heating season and they're looking at it and they're like, oh, it's going to be awesome. We're off of propane. And then they get this electric bill that they were like, well, you said it was going to be efficient. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, but I mean, you you saved you know, $1,000 in propane. You maybe paid $1,000 in electric, but come summer, you know, we're going to see some savings there on your AC side as well. For sure. For so sure. It's yeah. It's an annual plan versus, you know, looking at it as seasonal. Yes. Got to look at the whole year, right? right. Heating and cooling. Um, so my gas usage, my therms did go down 55%, um, which was a huge savings, but my electric consumption went up 31%. Um, so that's that trade off that right. I think homeowners need to be aware of. Now my numbers might be a little skewed because I, I did some tinkering when it first went in. You know, I was like, "Oh great, we can't even trust like, your numbers." Man. I was like, "Negative 14 degrees." Let's see what the Hilux does, and, right. it, and it did heat my house. I, I'm yeah. proud to say that. 
Um, so so I, I'm curious how this shakes out over the next year or two once I get like normal runtime data. Um, but yeah, that's a good point to make homeowners aware of that. No, wait, I didn't. I didn't supply this question with you know ahead of time. Uh, of course, we try to be prepared, and I want to make sure we don't blindside you. But and this okay. is this is maybe it's a yes or no, but. Uh, with this heat pump technology, the way you guys are able to um, control things with whether we're doing it with external controls like thermostats or the unit themselves, is there uh, like load sharing, load shedding, like at the utility level? Are these heat pumps now being connected into the grid so you can, you know, when you're talking about a dual fuel system, does that give maybe the utility or the customer the ability to move from one fuel to the other based off of load on like the grid? Or is it just is it just localized? I'm not sure on that. Um, I think it might depend on your utility. Okay. I've heard like we have Excel Energy. Actually, you might have Excel. Yeah. Um, well, we do have like Excel in Minnesota. Do yeah. they ever put? Um, I can't remember what they call the devices, but basically they take control of your of your condensing unit. They do say, have those. Yeah, the remote. Yeah. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a lower rate if we can shut your AC off in the middle of July. Or like at, off at peak and on peak yeah, and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, systems like that are pretty, that's why I kind of bring it up, because it's systems like that are, are very, they've been around quite a while in the Midwest. I know in Minnesota we've had dual fuel uh, heating programs where, you know, it's right. not the technology built into the equipment, but so that we're designing systems that are dual fuel. Uh, until now, they weren't very smart. They were just really, uh, we have a gas furnace, we have a gas boiler, that kind of thing, you know, yeah. or electric, you know, gas. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But it'd be interesting to see if that's where this industry goes. But then I guess our next kind of question is we talked about suitability of the climate there's a lot of flexibility there it's no question everybody's talking about just like well i live in a cold climate there's no way a heat pump's going to work this electrification stuff it's a bunch of bs uh I, you know look like it or not we're doing the we're doing these jobs in cold climates right uh we're we're applying the equipment's working yeah um, where are where is Samsung at? Where do you see the industry moving when it comes to addressing those climate issues? Or is it simply just to engineer better, more capable equipment? Not better in a sense that you're trying new technologies to make those pieces better, right? Yeah, so I guess speaking on the technology part of things, um, the Hilux is pretty much probably 90, 95% of it is predicated on our already existing technology. Um, we're using similar compressors, heat exchangers. For the most part, controls are, are all the same. We're just uh, interfacing a little bit differently because it is a universal heat pump and we can interface with um, you know anybody's A-coil, TXV, and, and third-party thermostat. Um, but as far as, yeah, the future and um, you know where the technology is going, I, I'd say over the last 10, 15 years, we've seen mini split and, and VRF technology getting um, more capable at lower ambient temperatures. Um, I don't know what to chalk it up to. I, I feel like it might be the you know the foreign manufacturers learning the North American market and, and realizing that it gets really cold here. Um, and even just in the recent years, we're seeing our mini split technology getting better heating capacity, negative four down to negative 13, now down to negative 22. Um, so it might keep progressing, and we might might eventually get to a point where um, the technology is getting so good that um, the heat pump heating capability can be sufficient in those really really cold climates. Uh, but I'd say at this point, um, you know, if you're in a Minneapolis, Montana, if you're getting lower than that negative 13 threshold or what the degraded capacity is uh, right. of the unit, um, you definitely want that secondary heat source. 
one of the biggest things that we have to keep in mind as contractors, we're out there selling this to our customers and installing it. And then, of course, we have to service it, right? So, That's like, right. this stuff, none of this, uh, I don't want any of it to be a experimentation. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm okay with experimenting <laughs> at my own home, but not at my customers' homes because totally. my reputation is online. Sure. Um, how how do we how does a contractor looking at this technology at the show uh, learning? I mean, it's not not some of it isn't new. It's just newly it's being newly developed for more extreme use, right, or wider range of application. But how does a contractor come to this show and really take away the most amount of information? Like how or listen to this podcast and then go and research on on your websites or talking to the reps or something like that. But like, what's the next step? So we we aren't out there experimenting. We have some confidence on what equipment to, to select and apply for our jobs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a great concern. Um, I probably probably first question would be how long has the technology? How long has that unit been in the field? Um, you know, do we have test sites? Can you can you share information of what it does when it gets to zero, negative five, negative ten, below that? Um, and and then really do your homework on. Um, on what the numbers are, and, and that's that's where you know I can geek out on on some of the <laughs> capacity tables and stuff like that. Uh, but w- when you get into those extreme climates, you, you do want to be aware of that. A lot of um, a lot of the marketing literature that you might see out there, or the brochures, will say up to a certain percentage at negative thirteen. Um, well, that might be on one size. And what's your size? And so, um, and that's where it can get a little difficult. You want to you want to push your contractor to work with the distributors, work with the manufacturer to, to try to get those numbers, um, just to feel more confident in the capability of it. I would say from my experience, um, most manufacturers, if not all manufacturers, seem to be somewhat conservative in those numbers that they publish. Um, you know, the R&D engineers say, yeah, if we're gonna put it on paper and say this is what the unit will do, they wanna be 100% sure, 110% sure. So you're saying that they're overrating <laughs> They're well, underrating. I'm the saying that they might be underrating. Yeah. Underrating it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But it's like well, a, it's like it's like your worst case. It's good to if the yeah. number in the book says the number that you need, then you can you should feel com- confident. <laughs> Do you feel confident, Andy? I, you know, for the most part. I mean, <laughs> no. um, I you know, I've had I've had good success with the heat pump industry. I mean, tried out a, a number of manufacturers. I haven't had any of them that have been like, oh, this is. That was a dismal thing. Let's not do that sure. again. Yep. Um, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, a lot uh, a, a trial and error on an in individual level, you know, until you're comfortable with it. And, you know, you get three or four installs in and, hey, that worked really well. And the customer's happy and Bill got paid. And, hey, here we go. Yeah. We're, you know, we do this now. This is something we do, you know, instead yeah. of, oh, we did that once. And, eh. So you say heat pumps, you're talking like mini split heat well, pumps. Well, uh, combinations. Pumps yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So just that, just the technology, the heat pump technology in cold climate is sure. that like ooh is it, you know I mean I've heard it walking around the show floor here just here in conversations and passing and you know people are skeptical about it. Yep. You know what? Well, that, that those don't work in cold climate. You know and that's the the common misconception. Well, it's like it's rated to minus thirteen. Yep. Like you, they they've tested it here. That's not something they just wrote down and was like, oh, sure it's. Yep. It's gonna it's, go. It's hard to break that stereotype. Yeah. Because. Uh, only a few decades ago when we had fixed speed compressors in the heat pumps that's cranking at 60 hertz that's all you're going to get 
Yeah. Um, with inverter compressors now, we're cranking up to 90, 100, 110 hertz, maybe over that in right. certain situations. Um, like I know the Hilux, we, we're, we're crapping out at, uh, capping out at 110 hertz. That's our that's, that's our highest. Yeah. It's almost um, double. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we're cranking that thing. Yeah. Um, but that's where it's tested, and that's yep. that's pretty much how everybody else is doing it. You're you good gotta, at math. You gotta by speed the way. up faster. Yeah. That was quick. Nice. That, was, that was quick math. Quick maths. <laughs> good maths. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, future of technology, future for Samsung. Um, as we kind of wrap this up a little bit, air to water is that something that you guys are working on? That you have product to display? What are you showing in at the show this this year? Yeah, yeah. So um, we are booth S seventy one eighty eight. Okay. We're in the back corner of the south building. Okay. Um, we've got the Hilux on display front and center. On the back side of the Hilux wall um, is our hydro unit. And so this is a relatively new unit, just came out a few months ago. Okay. Um, sort of looks like an indoor unit, just looks like a box really. It's going to go in like a mechanical room next to your hot water heater or something like that, um, storage room, something like that. And uh, we have two models. Um, one is just essentially a brace plate heat exchanger, expansion valve, controller. And we're going to produce hot water off of that. So sure. it's getting refrigerant from the system. Um, that's capable of to, up to 122 degree leaving water temps. And then we've got a different model with a little booster compressor circuit in there, R134A. And that gets water temps up to 176. Um, okay. So depending on what that hot water need is, we've got a couple options. Um, the larger capacities are compatible with our commercial VRF systems. But the smaller ones can also work on our single-phase VRF product, which is pretty cool. It's called, we call it a DVM ecosystem. Um, can be a heat pump or okay. heat recovery. I don't know if you guys are familiar with heat recovery. Yeah. That's where we're sharing the refrigerant between the indoor units. And essentially with this hydro unit, if your indoor units are in cooling mode, you can essentially get free heat. Free heat. Yeah, free <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, But, but you, uh, you need a branch box. It's a, it's a box about this big. Um, and it has uh, refrigerant ports on there, liquid suction, and, that, and your inner sure. units gets piped to that. And then three pipes go out to your outer unit. Okay. Um, but so yeah. you get like a hot gas cool. bypass type scenario in that third pipe then? It's, it's sort of like um, the third pipe. So your three pipes are uh, liquid suction and then a dual pressure. That's, that's the magic, okay. right? So, so if you're doing heating and cooling, you're sending yeah. liquid and you're sending high pressure and your suctioning is coming back. Sure. If okay. you're 100% cooling, you're sending liquid and dual suction. Got it. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. We're going to have to go check that we're, out. We're one of the few manufacturers that is capable of single-phase heat recovery. So very cool. pretty pretty cool technology. So most of our customer, or customers, most of our audience that listens to the podcast, I got to put my different hat on. Right. A um, lot, lot of people interested in installation side of things or working in the industry. But for those that aren't working hands-on with tools, specifying and installing equipment, um, just overall, just broad statement, why should, uh, you know, as a homeowner, why should we be looking at maybe a dual fuel system or, or do we scrap our system altogether and go to a totally new technology? Maybe you've got a force air furnace, gas, and you just go VRF or so, you know, like what, what do you say to customers just on the retail side of it? Yeah. Um, what to look out for, for equipment? Yeah. Uh, I'd say, you know, every, everybody's situation is different, right? It depends on what you have existing. What are your efficiencies? Are you happy with the system? How old is it? Um, and, and you guys are probably all doing those, you know, pros and cons, right? And walk, yeah. walking it through with the homeowner. Um, and 
I'd say if you if you're able to get somewhat of a rough energy savings, um, it can maybe try to help justify those extra costs. Um, I'd say from my experience, I, I cover both commercial and residential, so a little bit of experience in both both uh, markets. Um, for residential, we we don't see a lot of retrofit houses going with the like single phase VRF system. Let's say um, it's, it's quite expensive. For right. in a retrofit situation. Sure. Um, now, the times that I have seen it is, say, it might be a, a house that um, has baseboard heat and no cooling, um, where you're getting into more of those northern climates. Right. And, and Right. I'm looking at my load profile. There's not a lot of cooling hours here. Um, we did that in a house in Denver, and you know they just had a, a hot water boiler, and we added in this eco single-phase VRF system, um, and, and it's been working really well. And so, so yeah, I guess there's just a lot of factors to, to weigh and um, determine what's best. And if you have if you have ductwork existing, um, you know, if you're able to, you know, change out your fixed speed condensing unit for for a heat pump inverter compressor, you can definitely get a boost in efficiency there. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you, Wade. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the or to join us on the podcast. Man, it's, thanks for having me. It's already been a long day. <laughs> What do we got? Well, it is. Well, we're right next to the beer garden. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> oh, we are. We are, aren't we? There's beers over there? There's, yep. there's beers over there. Oh, I, I think we got to wrap this up, though. No, I got to go. open a tab. <laughs> I appreciate it, Wade. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank yeah. you so Thanks. much, guys. All right.